you're listening to Leading and Living with Impact and Influence, where we walk with leaders to live a life of exceptional impact, influence, and faith. Rocky, I am so excited to have you. First of all, uh, it's it's really great to catch up, and, and I love talking to other people that love investing in other people's success. So thanks so much for being on our show today, brother. Joshua, thank you so much for having me. So you've got an amazing story, and I always love to hear like why people um, started in a certain path, a certain area. Your parents were immigrants that came over to the United States. You were two years old. Uh, and I'd love for you to take our audience through that journey of where you came from and just that path of becoming uh, a citizen of the United States. So my parents came here a long, long time ago uh, from India. And back then, the rules were a little bit different with regards to currency and everything else. So they basically were starting over with twenty five dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, they had some family here. So that, you know, helped us to get settled But at that point in time, we weren't living on the right side of the tracks, right? Life was a little difficult. They, during the time that they came over, a lot of their friends and some other relatives had also come over and they would get together and they would chat and they would have conversations about how are you thriving? How are you figuring out how to live in America? How are you doing things monetarily and so forth? So as a kid, What I got to see was people move up the economic ladder. We were never told, oh, poor us. We were never given a mindset of lack, even though at that particular time they were all struggling Mm -hmm. and they had to deal with all of the different issues that, you know, immigrants have to deal with. That never came up. It was more, hey, you're destined to be successful. You have opportunity. But I also got to see them achieve success, like their friends especially achieve Mm. success. And they would talk about money. Now, I just assumed everybody talked about money. That Mm. was just normal. It Mm. wasn't until I was much older in life that I I found out that people didn't have money conversations. And then when I looked at my own story of going to college and having a Bachelor of Science in Economics and an MBA, I realized they didn't teach me how to build wealth either. Mm-hmm. It was like, wait a minute, we go to school to make money, but nobody teaches us about money. Yeah. And it's a taboo topic, I think, for a lot of people. So right. it's just kind of uh, interesting. So, I, you know, as a kid, I was very entrepreneurial. I grew up outside of New York City. Now, again, very different time. There was no Amazon. There was no five below. So I'd go into New York City. buy stuff in bulk, come back, you know, split the packaging, sell it to my friends for double and be loaded as a kid. Um, You know, so from that standpoint, it was good. Supposed to go to college because this is what we were told we had to do, hated Mm -hmm. it. You know, you get out and you're supposed to get a job. And so I got a job and I did well. And I I think good is the enemy of great Mm. because if things are good, you don't know, you get comfortable, right? Yeah. And so I, I found it and, and did well at work. And so I had a pretty good life mm-hmm. and I did what I was supposed to. I achieved the American dream. I, I became a multimillionaire. And then I realized well, they told us this was supposed to make us happy and thrilled. Yeah. And it doesn't. Mm-hmm. So good. 
Uh, one, I loved it when you talked about this as you growing up, you guys talked about money on a regular basis. We did. People would, I mean, it was not unusual for if somebody bought a new car, they'd all ask, well, how much did you pay? Did you get yeah. a discount? How did yeah. you know, why'd you pick this one? And yeah. so those conversations, I think were a bit more open and frank. Yeah. Whereas we're taught not to ask people about money. Exactly. Yeah, it's so funny you say that too because I, I mean, I've got four children and we and we talk about money, but we also there's some things we're like, well, don't ask about that or don't ask how much that car costs and so forth. So it's really, I think that's that's I think it's really brilliant that your parents and of course the tradition of your family uh, was have been talking about money since then. Um, you just made a comment that you would go to New York City, buy stuff in bulk, and then of course go make money off of it. Like, was did that come from your parents? Was that something that was just natural and you just had this ability? You're always a salesman and always thought about that. I, I don't, I never considered myself a salesman. Uh-huh. I'm an introvert, so it it's just kind of not natural. Yeah. For mm-hmm. me, it was I saw people with money. And so part of the story is missing here, right? When, when I was seven, my mom passed away. Mm. So my dad's a single dad, you know, it's the early seventies. We're in something called a recession, which Mm. all of a sudden people start (laughs) to realize again. Mm. Right. So, you know, we didn't, I didn't grow up with as much stuff, but I saw people around me with stuff. So I wanted stuff. So how do you make stuff? Well, I went and asked for jobs. Nobody gives an 11, 12 year old kid a job, right? Yeah. So what do you do? And somehow I just like, I don't even know how it started, but somehow I figured out that I had the ability because I knew how to get stuff because that was just the culture, right? You negotiate, you find stuff, you buy it cheap, you sell it for more. So has that carried on? I mean, is that part of how you've become a multimillionaire is because you just had this ability, this natural instinct of how to create wealth? Well, it, it, what did it looking back? So we were taught you're supposed to save, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And what I did as soon as I got out of college and I got my first real job, I started a savings program. So okay. I started putting money into a 401k. Wow. And yeah. then the company offered a stock plan. So I put a little bit of money in the stock plan. And then there was a credit union. So I put a little money in the credit union. Okay. And then my dad handed me a brokerage account that had nothing in it, essentially. Mm-hmm. And they would allow you to set up automated withdrawals and put it into the brokerage account. So I set those up. In the beginning, they were all very small. But I knew I wanted to be a millionaire. So I would sit down and I'd run the numbers. In order to be a millionaire, I need to save X amount of money. So I would just wow. save. And then every year, I would just increase the amount that I saved wow. little by little. And so it just started that whole process of rolling. Now, in between, I did screw up, right? Because you you start making good money as a young person with no bills. Yeah, You start spending and, you know, oh, it's only 50 bucks a month. Oh, it's only $39.99 a month. Oh, it's only this a month. Yeah, And I think within a year or year and a half, I'm like, holy crap, there's no extra money. Yeah, And so I unwound all of that as fast as I could. And I learned never to either you buy it but don't send, don't sign up. And even to, to my, to today, I hate subscription payments mm. because they all start adding up in the same way that I was able to build wealth by adding up. 
mm-hmm. these payments add up and take you the other direction. Mm-hmm. So you went on and made, uh, so I love it because it, for those that don't know uh, Rocky, what he does now, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to see why this fits so perfectly with what his position is now. You were already doing profit first before <laughs> really profit first existed. And there's no wonder that you are now aligned as a professional for profit first, which is a great, I love the book. It's something that we've given in our entire leadership organization. We run a lot of the, we run a lot of the systems that Mike talks about in his book, but you literally had like, you had created that and you were following that in order to become this millionaire. Oh yeah. I've been doing that. That's the whole reason I connected with, I think the book. And when I decided that I wanted to partner with somebody, I went and looked at a whole bunch of different opportunities. Mm -hmm. I realized that I was very much in alignment with Mike mm-hmm. culturally, procedurally. I'm like, I've already been doing this for 30 years. And then it was a question, well, why don't I create my own system? And then I'm like, but that's not what I love doing. I love being in spreadsheets. Yeah. So I, I left out that part of the story, right? I'm like 15 <laughs> years old. I, I get all this money. I go buy an Apple II computer and the first electronic spreadsheet comes out called VisiCalc. Okay. <laughs> so I'm learning how to use these things. It's like today, think about it, right? If you want to, if you want to learn how to use TikTok, what do you do? You go find a teenager, right? Yes, right. Yeah. So these people realized I knew how to use electronic spreadsheets. I'm working, I'm going into companies teaching the CPAs how to get off their paper ledger and build spreadsheets. And so I just grew up naturally around how do I build a spreadsheet? I use it for every part of my life. How do I then forecast in my spreadsheets? So all of this stuff was just natural to me. Yeah. I didn't realize other people weren't doing this, especially business owners. Yeah. Well, and you find that, I mean, that, that's exactly right. A lot of people like they get into their lane and there's so much of being an entrepreneur or a business owner that they're just not good at. They don't like that. And you've got to bring that support staff in there. So I love the fact that you have been able to align that uh, and, of course, help so many people now understand about the ability of what profit looks like in your organization and what you should be doing. Go ahead. So I know purpose is big for you, right? Sure. Yes, sir. So, I mean, it took me until I was in my 50s to figure out that these were my skills and this is what I was good at and this is what I should be doing. Yeah. So I was going the wrong direction for a good part of life. Yeah. Well, we're taught though. I mean, if you look at a lot of the leadership uh, books uh, over the o- over the last you know decade or two decades, so so many of the leadership books are focused on you developing the skills that you're not good at, and you need to be f- you know fully well rounded here. And and it hasn't been until recently where we've just kind of discovered like, no, you've you've got natural abilities, you've got God given talents that for one reason or another, that's the lane that you should stay in. And you, you bring in support people for those things in those areas that you really don't have either a passion for or that you just simply just don't, don't like, you know? And I had Mike on my podcast and we had this conversation. I was like, Mike, you're the visionary. You're the one who creates all this stuff. You're the one running around telling everybody, I just want to put my head down and help people. Yeah. I'm like, let's partner because this is perfect. <laughs> yeah. There's a great book that I'm reading called Rocket Fuel. And yeah. Gina Wickman. Yeah. So it talks about visionaries and integrators, right? And unfortunately, we have visionaries that try to be stepping, that are trying to step into the integrator portion and they wonder why they're miserable. They wonder why they don't like their days or unfulfilled and they, they, they don't get the satisfaction and they don't get the results that they want either. 
Well, it's because they're stepping out of their lane. So I love what you're doing. You've made this decision. Uh, you are a profit first professional. And one of the things you help people do, and I love this uh, when it was in your bio, is that you help people create harmony in their life. Can you explain to us uh, what harmony looks like and what are the areas that you really try to focus on with people? So I think the first part of harmony is figuring out what you want. So Mm -hmm. it comes back to purpose. What is it that you're good at, that you love doing, that brings you energy? And so that's, that's the first part. And I think this is a part they don't teach money in school. They don't teach you how to find your purpose, right? Nor does yeah. anyone talk about that. Yeah. Even when you go into a job somewhere, they don't help you say, oh, this is what you're great at. Let's have you do this. They're like, this is what we need you to do. Go over there and do that. Um, so I think that's a big part of it. I think the second part is having the right mindsets. And so with money, I came to learn that there are a whole bunch of mo- money mindsets that people have that they were taught as kids that are still driving them as adults. Hmm. And there's a whole bunch of other mindsets that we learned as kids that are driving us as adults. And most of them center around one thing, you're not good enough. And so it's breaking through that. But then once you've got your basics down, then it's, hey, we have to focus on our health, right? We spend our whole life giving away our health to get money, to give away our money to get back to health. So definitely health is a big part of it. Relationships, right? Your your net worth is your network. Are you building true relationships, not using people, but building relationships? Mm -hmm. How are you spending your time? We all have finite time. We all value money. We forget to value time. Mm -hmm. Most entrepreneurs don't value their time appropriately. So I think that's a big part of it. Money, of course, that's one of the key things without, you know, money is just fuel. So we do need to make sure that we have money. And then lastly, spirituality. And I think that's different for everyone. I don't tell people what to believe. What I tell people is make sure you're in agreement and congruence with what you believe. Hmm. I think too often people say, I believe this, but you look at them and we all look at people and go, you're hypocrites. Mm -hmm. Because they're not in alignment with whatever their spiritual connected is to the universe. Hmm. Interesting. I, I wholeheartedly agree with a lot of the stuff. We actually talk about five foundations and how important those foundations are uh, in the structure of, um, of someone's life. Let's go back really quick because I know that many people know Profit First, but I'm sure there's a few out here listening going, I don't even know what you're talking about with Profit First. So please help me what that looks like. <laughs> Tell me what that looks like. Give people a, a kind of a breakdown of, of what you do uh, in that realm as a professional. And then, of course, obviously the substance of Mike's book. So Mike is also a serial entrepreneur. And like many entrepreneurs, sometimes we get lucky. No. So he got lucky. He, he had two big exits where he walked away with seven figures. You know, I'm the smartest business guy in the world. Yeah. Two years later, he was literally handing over the keys to the house and the car, mm. right? He blew all the money. Clearly that messes with our mindset. So he went through a period of that. And he's like, how did we screw this all up? Why are we getting this wrong? And how, how can I help people do this better? Like, and part of that is, you know, help yourself in finding your purpose. So a big part of his purpose is helping small business owners 
to thrive and to do well. He, he wants to end entrepreneurial poverty. So the first part of that was, hey, we have the wrong equation. My accountant told me sales minus expenses equals profit, mm-hmm. which leaves profit as a leftover. It's yeah. an afterthought, something that you learn much, much later, you know, in the process. You know, when I was a kid, I go in New York City, it's like, I bought this for 10 bucks. I'm selling it for 20. My profit is 10, right? Except for the travel to and from the city. I I knew my numbers cold. (laughs) It wasn't something I figured out much later. So that was the basis right there of profit first. And what profit first does is what you may have been taught by your grandparents is the envelope system, right? Mm -hmm. Each envelope has a purpose. Give your dollar a job put it where it belongs, pay yourself first, automate the systems. All of these things are incorporated into profit first. And basically what happens is you use multiple bank accounts for your business. Most business owners don't look at their QuickBooks. They look at their bank balance. Mm -hmm. Do I have money? No, I got to sell or I got to collect. I have money. Oh, I should spend it, right? Because we have to spend money to make money. (laughs) Another big lie that we'll address. (laughs) And that's basically what they do. So with the system that Mike created, the money comes into one account. You look at your account. Okay, this is how much money came in. Now I I send my money to do its purpose. First purpose is profit. So we take our profit first. Second purpose is your pay because most of you business owners pay yourself last instead of first. The third is the dreaded tax bill. Let's put money aside for the IRS because they got guns and they come calling for it. And They'll pull it out of your bank account with or without your permission. Yeah. And the leftover is your operating expenses. I need to run my business and live within this budget. It's a constraint system. So the constraint is built on what Mike found was called Parkinson's law, which is businesses will use up all the time and money allocated to them. So you got a project. Well, what's our budget and what's my timeline? Whatever yeah. the budget and timeline is, that's what's going to get used. So if it's a hundred thousand, it'll be a hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. If it's twenty thousand, it'll be twenty thousand. Mm-hmm. You tell me six months, it's six months. You tell me one month, it's one month. People always go, how do how do you go from a hundred thousand to twenty thousand and get results? The reality is, it's the eighty twenty rule, right? Twenty percent of what you do produces eighty percent of the results. Yeah. Which, if you take it a step further, forty percent of what you do produces 96% of your results. Wow. So if you can figure out the 40% that gets you 96%, you can now go do another 40%, get another 96%. You're at 80%. You got 192% of the results. You have 20% margin to go enjoy your family, live on your excess cash, have fun in life. This sounds easy. It takes time. (laughs) Gosh, that sounds so, it does. It sounds so simple and brilliant, but we do know, obviously you need somebody to help walk you through that because you need to figure out, you know, finding that 40%, I'm sure is a bit of a journey. It is a journey. It's, it's an extreme journey. There's another book I love. It's um, Jonathan Burns is a professor at MIT and his book is called, uh, Pools of profit in a sea of red ink. Hmm. So 
MIT professor, clearly he works with big businesses. What he uh-huh. says is when we look at large business, 20% of what that business does produces 80 to 100% of the profits. 20 to 30% of what that business does loses 40 to 50% of the profits. And the in-between breaks even. Hmm. The problem is finding the 20% that produces the 80 and then having the courage to go to Wall Street and say, hey, we're going to cut our revenue in half, but we're going to make four times as much. Mm-hmm. The poor CEO gets fired mm-hmm. and no division head comes to you and says, hey, my division's the one losing the 40 percent. Maybe you should close us down. So th- there's all these things. But it, it, this all comes back to thinking about your business, yeah. putting taking the time to think about business instead of being in the middle of your business. Is there a common theme that you see working with business owners, entrepreneurs, um, that you see that this is an area that they're typically wasting their time or they're typically wasting their money or their efforts in? So there's not a typical one, but we see a handful of different things. So first and foremost, especially with newer entrepreneurs, pricing. They underprice. They're afraid to charge market pricing, or they don't have a good system in place to understand what all the components of their pricing is. They're missing time, labor. Um, They might be missing certain things that go into that overhead. Hmm. So first, it's pricing. Um, That's usually a big one. And then I think from there, it, it differs by company. Uh, some of them just spend too much, right? Just it, it, you got to spend money to make money. So they just start spending mm-hmm. and they throw money at problems instead of trying to solve them. <laughs> um, I've been so guilty of that. Dude. I, I'm only <laughs> laughing because I know I, that has been my heartburn and yeah. um, more of a recent development in my life and hopefully some some graduation in my life as well too. But that is so true though, right? It's so much easier to yeah. throw money at it as opposed to take time to actually figure out why will, why this should never have to happen again. Correct. And then for a lot of businesses, I think they don't systematize it. Okay. If you don't systematize it, you start to get leaks and problems everywhere. Mm-hmm. So if you look at McDonald's, right? However they do it, McDonald's can hire an entry-level worker and run this restaurant all over the world. Yeah. They've got systems and processes that have tested and improved, and they put a lot of time and effort into doing that, right? Whereas most most of us are like, you know, I'll just do it myself, or and they don't put the time and the effort into teaching, mm-hmm. or they hand it off to somebody and they don't come up with a clear establishment, then that person leaves somebody else gets hired and yeah. you have that natural attrition of it getting worse and worse. Yeah. And no one's created the systems there. So I think that's part of it. Sometimes they may have too much debt, uh, which comes back to it. So usually we can look at their business and we can see if they've got a pricing problem, um, you know, a margin problem, a process problem, too much debt. I, you know, even if you go into the trades and you go, a guy in the trades, I got to get my big truck. 
Well, that alone crushes them. Sure. Yeah. And then the second part is their whole truck is full of parts. So their inventory, they might have 50 grand of inventory sitting in the back of the truck that just got thrown back there that nobody pays attention to. Mm -hmm. And it's a leak out of the business. So everyone's a little unique, but it all shows up eventually in the numbers. It's finding within the numbers, what the truth of why that occurred happened. So it's investigative work. Yeah, that's awesome. How long How long does it typically take for a company that says, hey, listen, all right, I'm ready to commit. I love this idea. I am drowning in certain aspects of it. I want to make profit. Like, How long does it typically take a business owner um, that's committed to turn that around? So it depends on the business. Uh-huh. Some Some can turn very fast. Most can't. Okay. So Mike says, if you follow the process in the book, he says on average, it's two and a half years. Okay. Now think about it. Let's say you're a business owner. You've got a beautiful office there. The reality is your beautiful office does nothing to bring in the bottom line, mm-hmm. right? It's going to take you time to get out of that lease, right? Maybe you've got a contract with your customers. You've locked in pricing for a year. Mm-hmm. Well, it's going to take us a year to change the price to that customer. In the meantime, we can change it to others, but it's going to take time to get out of contracts, to make changes, to unload assets, to build systems and processes. You know, one of the simple things is just even a, a proper billing and accounts receivable that stuff, it takes time. It takes time to make sure you've got good bookkeeping in place. So by the time we figure out what your books say, and then we start to make decisions, it takes time. But again, it comes back to just the way I built wealth. You start with 1% and you take teeny steps. Mm-hmm. And so little by little, you go the right direction. And I will tell you, if I've got a, a good business owner working with me, 12 to 18 months later, the conversation usually turns to something like this. I've never had so much cash in my business. I don't know what to do with it. Wow. So that's the goal. Yeah. Some are faster. I've had guys go really, really quick. And I've had people, we just bang our heads for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. And you'll always have that. Every there. I mean, yeah. business owners, entrepreneurs, there's a, there's a reason why some of them are successful. And of course, others uh, never get to that, uh, that, that mountain peak right there. So let's go, let, let's talk about purpose. Um, you know, I know that Mike Mike's uh, uh, follow-up book to Profit First was Clockwork. I thought that was just, that was a great book. I really, really love that. Um, but talk about purpose. How do you help people get clarity with purpose in their life? Because that is like, sometimes that's a very overwhelming question to ask. And a lot of people just get, they just get stumped on it. And even when they think that they might know what that is. They don't, they're, you know, then they question it or they're not, they're not quite sure because nobody can give them the right answer. How, how do you help somebody give them? Here's the first problem. Okay. See, so there you if go. If you're looking for someone else to give you the right answer, uh, you're looking in the wrong place. There you go. Okay. Yeah. This is, this is a deep journey into the mirror. Mm. It's a journey into yourself. I don't know why this is. A lot of people don't like to go inside. Mm-hmm. What I have found is the best resource for this is a book um, from Michael Hyatt 
it's called living forward, how to get out of the drift and find your purpose or something along that tagline. Mm-hmm. What the book does is it, it a tells you the problem. So most people in life are in the drift. I went to college because I was told to go to college and I became this. And so I got a job in that. And 20 years later, here I am. And they're looking around going, how did I end up here? Mm-hmm. Like somebody shoved me down this path and you've heard it. A lot of people will say, you know, I climbed the mountain and I got to the top and I looked around and I realized my ladder was on the wrong mountain. Mm-hmm. So a it's, it's understanding you're in the drift because mm-hmm. we haven't gone through this. What living forward does is it, it asks you to go through every single part of your life and define what that part of your life looks like. So in your case, you're a dad right? Which means you're a husband. Yeah. So what's the relationship with your wife? What's the relationship and the goal for your children? Mm-hmm. How are you going to generate your income? Mm-hmm. Where do you fit spiritually? Mm-hmm. What does your health look like? You pick your buckets, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone's different. Figure out each of your buckets. I do this with a lot of my clients. I tell people it takes 90 days to do this at minimum, but a start defining your buckets, then start filling your buckets in. Then the cool thing with the book is it's got other people's life plans. So you look at other people's lives and you go, hell yes, or hell no. Mm. And you start, you start doing that. And as you go through this process, right, it's kind of like when you go looking for a car and you decide you want a Mercedes, you see them everywhere. Yeah. When you start defining your buckets, you start to see them everywhere. And so you take these 90 days and you're just kind of keeping notes. And then one day you sit down, they've got a whole template for you to fill out. And you you sit down and you take that day. You, you don't do it in your house. You're all, you go away somewhere far away in a nice, peaceful place and write the whole thing out. Is hmm. it going to be perfect? No, it isn't. It's going to be draft number one, but then you just start every day. You're reading your draft and you're constantly making little corrections. And then you figure out, here's where I am. Here's what I want to be. What's the first step, right? So if I'm overweight, what's the first step? If I need to build money, what's the first step? If I need to change from being a lawyer because I hate law and I want to go do something else, what's the first step? We take baby steps that are essentially risk-free. Yeah. So, you know, who are five business owners that I can talk to in different businesses to learn what they love and hate about their business? Um, Maybe you go to five people and go, hey, what do I do really well that you admire in me? Because we don't see our strengths. And so it's just taking these little steps. And over time, you start coming together with a plan. And once you have clarity on where you're going, Right. So once you have a target, it becomes easy to hit a target. Mm-hmm. When you don't have a target, it becomes impossible to hit a target. Yeah. Right. You're so shiny object syndrome. Right. right. If you say to, if you say I'm going to London. Right. And you've de- you've decided this and it's in your heart. And I come to you and I tell you, I've got a cruise to Alaska. What are you going to say to me? <laughs> Oh, Alaska sounds cool. No, you can go, I've decided to go to London. I'm no longer distracted. 
Yeah. And then you start working towards it. And so I, that has been the biggest thing for me for purpose. It, it is a, you don't figure out your purpose overnight. Some yeah. people do that. It becomes an aha for a lot of people. It is a long, slow process and you've got to test it. Yeah. Because you might think you want to do this, but when you actually go and see what people who do that do, you realize, oh my God, that's not what I thought. And I think that's why a lot of people get stuck is they're told as a kid, oh, go be this or go do that. It's good. And then you even you think this is what a doctor does is help and treat patients. No, they're filling out paperwork for insurance and dealing with compliance and (laughs) they're they're not doing what they thought they would be doing. So you have to test it as well. Yeah. Well, and I think that it, it, it's really well said. Thank you for that, Rocky. Um, I think oftentimes too, too many people uh, wrap up their purpose with their identity in their work or what it is in that time of their life. And we also know that too, is like, as you evolve, as you continue to grow, one of the things you talk about is growth mindset and how important that is. You know, my purpose when I was in my twenties has completely changed now that I'm in my forties. Mm-hmm. And I think that and it's going to change awesome. again. Exactly. And I, and that, I think that people have to realize that it's okay for that next chapter, that next, next stage in maturity in your life. Um, how do you help people that when you start working with them, maybe don't have that growth mindset? Like what is like a, a very simple, easy thing that you can help them where they have, they can start doing something immediately. So usually we get people to take the smallest action step that is low risk. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you want to explore a new career, I'm not going to tell you to quit your job. I'm going to tell you, go talk to people in that industry and find out if it's what you really think it is. Mm -hmm. Same thing with like a gym. You know, if you say, oh, I I want to go to the gym. um, For a lot of people, that's intimidating. Right. But what if the first step is go find five gyms in your neighborhood? Okay, I found five gyms on Google. Oh, that was really difficult. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Right. Now go drive to five gyms and walk in and look around. You're not going to sign up for any one of them. Mm -hmm. Now you finally pick a gym that you want to go to. Right. The first thing is make it easy. So in Mike even talks about this, right? Mike likes to run. So how he got into running is he put his sneakers on the toilet. So when he went to the toilet, he had to pick up his sneakers in the morning right? To open the toilet. And he's like, well, now I've got my sneakers in my hand. I can put on and I can go for a run, Yeah, get everything ready. And all I want you to do with the first day of the gym is walk around. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Like little things. And, and eventually we build up to big things, but everything I just told you, no harm. You can't fail. Yeah. Right. Like when I taught little league and we taught kids how to swing, We'd be like, we don't want you to hit the ball. We just want you to swing the bat. Like, that's all we want from you. So I I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah. And I I think this is one of the reasons why I love Profit First is because so much of the starting in the beginning of this is is 1%, 2%. Take 1% of your paycheck and do this. 2% of your paycheck and do this. 3% of your paycheck and do this. So it's not these dramatic, hey, listen, I need you to commit to 20% immediately right now, right? Or 30% or 50% of your income has to go to this. It is literally these, these quote unquote baby steps that help build that confidence in you 
And then you start to see that over time that it really starts to build and build. And the more comfortable you get with it, the more confidence you have at it. And then just like as you've experienced, and this is once again, how you have continued to create millions in your in, in your lifetime is that you you see that and you get excited and then you become more committed to it. And then you really start to test and see how much can I put into it now? Like how much can I really put in there now? Because I've seen how beneficial it is at this percentage. If I just doubled it or if I tripled it, how much faster could I get to my goal? And that's true. It's just baby steps, constant baby steps, all done without, I mean, the whole time you're literally going with a harness, like you can't fail. Yeah. You just have to keep showing up and doing it. The money hasn't disappeared. It's still in your business. And so that's what we try and teach baby steps and make it easy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Rocky, this has been so awesome. I really appreciate you coming on. Um, how do people follow you? How do people get in contact with you? Uh, uh, give us give us the rundown on the best way to, to get uh, get a hold of you. Before you get a hold of me, if uh-huh. you enjoyed this show, would you do me a favor and like give Joshua a like, you know, give him a nice rating, share his show with another entrepreneur. He would love you for that. <laughs> no doubt as about for, that. Yep. <laughs> as for me, I teach everything about profit first on my podcast, which is Profit Answer Man. And so we, we, I go through every chapter of the book. All I do is tell you everything you need to do to get started. And then if you're interested in the other part of life, like, hey, I've made my profit. Now what? Richer Soul is the other podcast where we go into all these different areas of life. I bring you people who have walked it, who will show you how to get there and how to live that ultimate life. I love it. And we're going to have those links in the show notes here, you guys, so that you can get uh, get those into your queue as well. So Rocky, uh, thank you so much. Any last parting words of wisdom that you'd like to share with our audience today? Go open one bank account and just put 1% of your revenue in it. That's it. Try it for a few months, see how much money you have. And then again, do what Joshua said, make it too. Yep. Amen to that. We have done that. And I will tell you what, it has been the best thing that's happened to our company. Uh, and uh, we are we are not slowing down and nor stopping. So I absolutely love it. Love what you're doing, Rocky. Thank you so much for, for joining us on our podcast today, brother. Thanks so much for having me. All right, you guys. Hey, listen, you know that the price of admission for this podcast, there's no price of admission other than you have to share this. You have to share this. I know that there's somebody in your life right now that needs to hear from Rocky, that they need to understand, hey, what does profit first look like in my life? What do I need to do? I want to create millions. We also know that it takes a lot of time to do that, but we can start today, day one with small steps. Uh, you got to share this and uh, and also like, hey, sign up and get uh, Rocky's podcast in your queue. I know that I'm going to do it. I'm excited about both of those. uh, And I cannot wait to get some golden nuggets from him as well, too. So absolutely love you all. Have a fantastic rest of your day. And we'll talk to you soon.